Hello, uh, my name is Jan Burger. I'm a professor at MD Anderson Cancer Center at the Department of Leukemia, and I'm summarizing an abstract, which is uh, an analysis uh, of high-risk CLL patients treated in the frontline setting with ibrutinib versus comparator therapy. And what the focus of this analysis is, is to see with longer follow-up of these studies, what is the outcome of high-risk CLL patients who have genomic or molecular high-risk disease features. So what we did is we analyzed uh, two phase three studies, Resonate 2 and Illuminate. Uh, and in both studies, the BTK inhibitor ibrutinib was uh, used as the investigational arm. And those pooled data were analyzed for long-term outcome in terms of long-term progression-free survival and uh, for response rates. So a little bit background, uh, when we talk about high-risk CLL, uh, we use certain markers which have been established over the last decades to be a risk factor for inferior prognosis, for inferior uh, survival when patients were treated with chemoimmunotherapy, and among these are genomic abnormalities like 17p deletion, TP53 mutations, uh, other chromosomal abnormalities, including 11q deletion, unmutated IGHV, and uh, certain mutations that we can sequence for. So we have, uh, have this notion that these are high-risk features, and that's common uh, for patients and for treating physicians to use this as a term, but uh, the question now becomes with uh, the new targeted agents, are these risk factors still having such a negative uh, prognostic impact, or is it maybe less? Uh, uh, and uh, therefore, I think there is interest, especially if you uh, have to uh, discuss treatments with uh, patients who have these higher risk disease features. Uh, so the Resonate 2 study, that was uh, the study that led to the FDA approval of ibrutinib in previously untreated patients. It was a study where patients were randomized either to single agent ibrutinib or to uh, receive chlorambucil. Uh, and this was untreated elderly patients and the other study that was analyzed uh, for this data set was uh, a study called Illuminate, and that was also in like an elderly CLL population. Uh, and here patients received ibrutinib together with a CD20 antibody obinutuzumab and the comparator arm was chlorambucil obinutuzumab. So uh, we looked at the following uh, risk features, we looked at the cytogenetics, obviously, including 17p deletion or 11q deletion. Uh, we looked at mutations uh, by sequencing of TP53, BRC3, SF3B1, Notch1, XPO1. Uh, and we looked at mutational status of IGHV to look at the risk profile and uh, grouped these patients into these high-risk features and uh, looked at their response rates and their outcome um, based on these uh, risk categories. And with this analysis, uh, first maybe to talk about the overall response rate, we saw 
in low risk or in high risk patients with longer follow-up, uh, we get high response rates, overall response rates that are 90% or higher in even the highest risk uh, subgroups. So there was no difference or no trend that certain high risk subgroups were having uh, smaller numbers of patients responding. Uh, so that was reassuring and is helping with this message uh, that now that we have these targeted agents that these risk factors coming from the chemoimmunotherapy times are becoming less important. Uh, in terms of response, uh, um, patients with the 17P deletions, 11Q deletions, and all these other high-risk features that I mentioned earlier, everybody had uh, a response rate around 90% plus. Maybe there are differences in terms of how many patients can achieve complete remissions. Uh, with the longer follow-up, we saw that approximately 25 to 30% of patients achieve complete remissions. In this, uh, in this uh, pooled analysis, and what we saw is that there was no significant difference in terms of uh, frequency of complete remission uh, in these uh, high-risk versus low-risk patient subgroups either. So that's good reassurance. Um, does it matter in terms of uh, progression-free survival here? Because that's uh, really the main uh, question is, uh, are patients with the high-risk features having sh uh, shorter progression-free survival? Is that disease coming back sooner? Uh, we have seen that in patients when they were treated in the relapse setting after receiving a lot of prior treatments, then the high-risk patients tend to relapse uh, sooner, even with BTK inhibitors, uh, if they, for example, have 17P deletion. But in the frontline setting, there haven't been too many data yet. And with this analysis, uh, what we can say is that the high-risk patients have uh, progression-free survival that is similar to the low-risk patients. Uh, we have analyzed 42-month PFS rates and for the 17P deleted patients, which we consider the, probably the highest risk for relapsing, 79% uh, of patients remained free of progression after 42 months. Uh, and that was actually a little better than, uh, if, uh, than in patients who lack uh, 17P deletion and it's very similar to the ones uh, who have 11Q deletion. And that was true for all these other high-risk features that we looked at. So with these data, I think in summary, we can say uh, that our established classification as high versus low risk, which comes from the use of chemoimmunotherapy now with the transition to the new targeted agents, especially to the BTK inhibitors, the importance of these fact is it's becoming much smaller and in the frontline disease setting it doesn't seem uh, to to have an impact on response rates and on overall progression that's reassuring and that re-emphasizes for us uh, that especially for the high-risk patients uh, use of a btk and the use of ibrutinib is right now the the gold standard of treatment